0: I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, May 23rd, 2021, and this is episode 121 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is a song that was released and got in my head. And now I listen to it at least once, more likely twice or three times a day. It's called Five Five by Toby Wigwe. And it's got so much energy. It's like, I dare you to feel bad after you have heard the song. I have a playlist It's called my happiness playlist for when I'm like trying to lift my mood, my energy level. And this is going at the top of the playlist. Uh, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. It's got a really artistic video. It's just full of energy. I just think that if you need some an energy uplift, this is great. And he just started releasing behind the scenes videos of the making of the music video. And so that's on Instagram too. I'll link to that. Because... Uh, you know, just seeing the creative process. And he's such a, like a specific creative person. He, his videos always have like, everyone's wearing the same color scheme. The, usually they're in like this set or space. I don't know if this is helps where he lives, but with the same color scheme, it's like a mint green now. And I think in the past he's gone through other color schemes. So like a real creative person who's got a specific vision. And, um, you know, I have a degree in film and I don't, use it anymore <laughs> necessarily. But I used to be in a lot of sets. And the last set I was on, I wasn't part of it. I was just my brother was filming the TV show he was on. He was my brother Paul James, star of the Netflix show soundtrack, if you haven't watched it. <laughs> One season, but it was a good season. Yeah, and that was literally, that was two years ago in Chicago when I was on set with him. And being on set reminded me how much I don't like being on set, which is why I think I don't use my film degree. I initially wanted to be an editor and I worked in video production in D.C. for a while, and then I went to get my master's in multimedia because I knew I wasn't going to go to L.A. At one point, I thought I was going to go to New York and try to do, you know, indie film. But I'm glad for the way things worked out. They worked out the way they were supposed to. But looking at the behind the scenes and just seeing, you know, I don't think he's technically the director of the video, but he's in charge of everything. Maybe he was the director. I think someone else was credited. But um you can just see his vision coming through very clearly because there's like... 100 people in this video, like dancers, and um, I guess they're dancers. But he had he knew exactly what he wanted, and he knew exactly what he was trying to get out of everybody. But he was always also still positive and respectful. And um, it, I read that it was like a 14 hour shoot in one day. My point is that I was just, it got me thinking a lot about knowing what you want and being very specific about your vision, and I think that that can be difficult for me with certain things that I feel like are outside of my control. Like my books are within my control. And obviously I try to make them adhere to my vision, which is, I wonder if it's harder with with fiction than it is with like a visual medium like filmmaking. Because, you know, there's this meme that goes around in different forms about the book in my head is like this beautiful mansion or like a beautiful horse. And then the book I wrote is this shack in the woods or like as child's sketch of a horse with like 15 legs, you know, like it never matches up to the vision that you had where none of the films I ever made matched up exactly to the vision I had. Um, so maybe it's not possible, but you, you try to get as close as you can. Like you storyboard the books run in as, as films in my head, just like films I made ran before I made them. And then it's like, Getting the angle that I saw, getting the angle I storyboarded, trying to get the colors and set. And then in student films and in indie films, it's just, you know, a lot of budgetary concerns. Like you can't get what you want because you can't, you literally can't afford to. And, uh, yeah, and other creative pursuits, it's just the limitations of either your ability, your skill level, your budget, the materials available to you, all of these things. So really it's about having the vision and getting as close as possible to it. Anyway, listen to the song and uh, dance, you know, start every day with dance. (laughs) Um, The read along for Earth Singer Chronicles is starting this week. I'll be posting an intro video this week and then at the end of the week, which will be next Sunday, (laughs) because in my mind, these weeks end on Sunday, I'll post the behind the scenes stuff and that'll be going on for the rest of the summer until August 17th when the fourth book, Requiem of Silence, releases. So yeah, that is coming. I've got to make some graphics at the last minute, which I should have made a million years ago, but that's where we are right now. Writing update. Um, I did get more words this week. I think I only got like 6,000 or something, but being in the middle, as we discussed last week, is difficult. I was trying to get back on track. And, you know, as I'm writing these scenes and feeling it, feeling the, the ship slip. Like I read the first half and I liked it. And I'm trying to recapture that energy. Cause that was just what last week when I did that. I, I, I wrote a scene, a fast draft of a scene on, on Friday and I didn't, I haven't revised it yet. Maybe I'll get to do that today. And it's just back to being, this is not at all what I had envisioned, you know? And maybe I didn't have a clear enough vision. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still stuck in the middle where I'm moving forward. It's just feeling funky, not as good and smooth as the beginning felt. And it's part of the process. I have to acknowledge that middle always feels bad. And and not just the midpoint, but you know, after the first half of the book, things, things start feeling weird. And maybe that's going to be the rest of the story. I mean, how it is for the rest of this book, I don't know. I don't want that to be the case, but I have to acknowledge that the first half went suspiciously easily. You know, I was very happy about that, but also surprised and somewhat concerned. (laughs) So, yes, we'll see how the rest of this goes. I'm going to keep pushing forward, keep trying to hit that 10,000 words a week goal. Although if I don't write on the weekends, it is a little bit more difficult. And I'm just also giving myself the time. To not stress about that goal and to try to just, if I need a little bit more space, if I'm not doing, you know, kind of working on two scenes a day, if it's only one scene a day, then I'll allow that to happen because now is not the time to like push, push, push. I gave myself plenty of space in the deadline for my editor. So, and this is why, because everything's going really well, but I always pad it a lot when I have the ability to do so. And I do. So that in my writing update, I am moving forward. Also, since this story takes place in a futuristic version of San Francisco, and my brother happened to be in San Francisco for a month shooting a film, I was like, Paul, you have two days off a week. You have time. Can you go to the Transamerica Pyramid for me and see if you can get inside and take pictures of the lobby? And if not, because of the pandemic, they might not let you inside. Just take pictures around because I am using that as a location in my story. And he was able to get inside and take some pictures of the lobby and like where the elevators are and stuff that have me actually changing some things, just like descriptions of things. But And then I also found some um, floor plans of the building, which I should have done at the beginning. And I don't know why. I just forgot. I didn't think about it. But yeah, I have a whole thing where my character is claustrophobic. And so riding in the elevator is difficult for her. And that's kind of why I wanted I wanted him to tell me what like the elevators look like how do you get to the elevators and you know it's like a minor detail but it's a real building and i'm using a real building in an alternate world for a reason so i would like to get as close as possible to reality and uh, my friend was listening to me talk about finding the floor plans and just kind of laughing at me and i'm like but this is how it works in my head you know i had all i had like four i imagined in my head four stairwells in this building there're only two and since it's a pyramid, it's wider at the bottom. As you go up, one of the stair- one of the stairwells is in the middle of the building, and one is in the end. And I discovered this from looking at the floor plans. And then when Paul sent me the pictures of um, the lobby and where the elevators are, I was like, "Oh," because I didn't have a floor plan of the first floor. Um, and I got the floor plans off like a realtor or a website who was selling, you know, r- um, real estate in the building or leasing it. Anyway, I realized from his pictures that I had done something wrong and that there's an opportunity for something else to happen in a different location and to to block it differently and stage it differently. So grounding it in in these real details that nobody will probably care about, but helps me. You know, it's like it creates the box, as I talk about a lot, the box that you work inside of. And so when I have these boundaries and I also have new ideas, like I didn't know there was a garage <laughs> I should have thought there was a garage. Part of me was like, well, I had a garage in my building in Oakland when I lived in Oakland. So I was like, oh, there's no garages because of earthquakes. But obviously there are. So now I have a whole scene that I needed a location for. And I was like, it's going to be in the garage of the building. This is why we do research. And this is why I, my position on research has changed. And now I like research a lot. It is not always procrastination. Sometimes it is really the soil that, that ideas grow from. There are a few events coming up this coming weekend, Memorial Day weekend, 2021. I will be at Balticon at a bunch of things. So you can check my events calendar at, um, on my website, elpenlp.com slash calendar. Also coming up in June is the Edelweiss Book Fest. And I've been given a promo code for it. So I'm also a, a, um, a keynote speaker i don't have to give a speech it'll be an interview with me and author tj clune uh like a keynote interview thing which is really cool because they asked me to be a keynote speaker and i'm like do i have to write a speech and my publicist was like no and i'm like oh, thank goodness cuz i would have spent the entire month like working on the speech but anyway if you would like to attend the Adelweiss book fest which has a ton of amazing authors um there's a promo code I will link to in the show notes. It's lpkeybf Y <laughs> B F three zero. for those of you who are auditory learners. And the festival is at abovethetreeline.com slash bookfest. Um, so definitely check out the festival. Check out the lineup, which is really cool. The coupon code gives you $30 off registration. And come hear me be a keynote speaker. <laughs> It'll be fun. Also in good news, um, the publisher's weekly review for Requiem of Silence came through, and it's really, really positive. I was so happy about it. There's supposed to be an interview that is going with me um, that'll be published at some point, and I will obviously tell you guys when that happens. I haven't seen that come through yet, but the review is lovely. There's great quotes that we can pull from it for marketing purposes, and uh I don't have any of them in front of me right now, <laughs> but I was really happy. It's not a starred review, but it's so positive and wonderful, and it made me feel like at least the person who read this understood what I was trying to do with the end of the story and it worked for them. And, you know, ending the series had been when I was deep working on it. When I first started, it was right after Game of Thrones had ended and um the Marvel cinematic, you know, phase, whatever had ended with um Endgame and all of that. And I was just despairing over ending the series and how to bring it, do it justice and do it well and avoid a Game of Thrones style catastrophe. So at least this reviewer felt it was positive. And, you know, I read trade reviews. I I don't, I can't bring myself to read regular reviews Um, they kind of make you read the trade (laughs) reviews. It made me feel like I had at least, you know, in someone's eyes accomplished this thing I had set out to accomplish, which is really nice and hopefully can help me push through this current book that I'm struggling with. There is a video that I saw linked to in some Facebook group that I'm on. And this is a woman who has this whole series on um, structure for plotting. And this particular video I thought was great because it's on the alternative to a dark moment. So usually at the end of act two, in most plotting systems, you have the dark moment, uh, they call it the black moment break into act three, depending on how you look at it. It's just when everything falls apart. I mean, either they lose, they're at the worst point possible to move you into act three where they come back on top in many stories. But this uh, this woman has an alternative to the dark moment called the temptation moment. And especially in romances, I have grown weary of the dark moment There are a lot of times I'll just stop reading a book right before the dark moment when I sense it's coming because usually it's always mm, darkest before the dawn. It's always brightest before the dark moment. Like you think everything is good and then it's this horrible thing that takes it all away. And a romance in a romance, I I often don't don't need that. I just want them to be happy. (laughs) And some authors are not doing dark moments, and I think maybe they're doing temptation moments. I'd have to go back and reread some people. Like uh, Christina C. Jones is the one who pretty reliably in in the books I've read, doesn't have this dark moment. It's just sort of the characters have struggled so much through the first two thirds of the book that they don't need that final big explosive, you know, just distraction, disaster (laughs) at at that point. um, They just, maybe it's starting to come up a little bit, but the temptation moment is sort of like when they get everything they thought they wanted and then they realize they didn't want it. And one example that I remember from the comments of the video was Legally Blonde, where, you know, which I barely remember, but, um, you know, it's not like, sometimes they're, they're aligned. It's like getting everything you want is the dark moment, is the, uh, the dis, the disaster. I don't know why I can't say that word. I keep saying destruction when I mean disaster. Anyway, I think it's worth a watch. It's worth considering that this story that I'm writing now, has a dark moment, but I'm considering it for future books and others, other stories. Cause every story is different. Some of them I think are going to require that disaster. And some of them you can, it depends on the goals of the character and what they wanted all along as to whether you can, you know, which one you choose. But I do think that the idea of having that be an alternate is really nice because sometimes story structure, I don't think predictability is necessarily a problem I think predictability gives you comfort. And if you can, and predictability in structure, you know, makes us feel grounded. Like when you, when you try to do something either new and different or just be like, I don't believe in structure. I'm going to do whatever I want. Often it's a mess and um, it takes an extremely deft hand to, to, to make it work. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of structure. But I don't want to always be stressed out at the 75% mark of the books I read. So speaking of being stressed out, I was warned off of watching The Underground Railroad, the new Amazon TV show um, based on the book by Colson Whitehead, which I really wasn't planning on watching. Just like I wasn't planning on watching that other, you know, racism, torture porn TV show. They have Them, I think it's called. Uh but there was another author who kind of had watched it and just sent a very helpful email saying why we should not watch it. Um, I'm not interested in, in black pain narratives at this point in my life. There are ways to talk about slavery without focusing on that. Like, I thought the good Lord Bird was a good example. And although that did center John Brown as like a white man, it was told from the perspective of an enslaved boy and, you know how bad slavery is. I don't think we need to see it all the time. And I think that having narratives that are, that take place in that time. And even with that subject matter, but they don't, don't force us to, to watch torture. Like, why can't we have more of that? Speaking of which, I just finished the book, the conductors by Nicole Glover, which takes place post civil war alternate world, you know, with magic and is about conductors kind of on the Underground Railroad. It's not really um, positioned like that, but it kind of is and kind of isn't. It's very unique, and it's, she's created her own world inside of our world. And it totally avoids focusing on black torture and pain. It's like, yes, these people were slaves and they escaped and they help others escape. And they're creating a new life in Philadelphia. And it's actually a murder mystery. Um, and it's about a husband and wife team who both have magic and they help their community and, and solve crimes and, and help people. And it's it's delightful. I, I recommend everyone read it if you want something that is historical and magical and interesting and creative and not focused on misery, And finally, Q&A. If you have a question for me that you would like answered on the podcast, please email podcast at lpenelope.com, and I might just answer your question. So, this week, is there a character you wrote whom you regret killing off? I don't kill off that many characters in general, and so yeah, no spoilers, but I do kill off a character in Song of Blood and Stone, and... My friends who read it were like, oh, you're so mean. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be mean. I'm an author. Um, other people die, but I don't feel like, you know, they kind of deserve to die. <laughs> I don't kill off a lot of people. And I'm trying to think of other stories. So that's really the only one I remember. I could be forgetting someone. It's very possible. I feel like sometimes you have to raise the stakes. And I did it for like that reason alone, because there had to be a loss in order to have meaning and in order to underscore that this is really bad and this situation is literally deadly. So someone that I cared about, I hope the reader cares about them a little, even though they're kind of a minor character, does get killed in that first book. Other people that die are either people we don't know or people that are bad, I think. So yeah, I don't really regret killing them off. And I don't think I would kill off... Never say never, but like, I don't feel like I'm the kind of author that's going to kill off a main character just to do it. There is a character who I in the series who I did consider killing off, um, but I was like, hmm, am I doing that just to do it, or am I doing that because that's really where the story needs to go? And I was like, I don't think I want to be that person. I don't want to have. I don't want this to be that book. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with any of that. So if the story needs it. But if I can not do it and still have a really good story, then I won't kill off anybody like a beloved. I don't know. Sometimes story needs it, though. If you had to live in any of your characters' worlds, which would you choose? Um, I don't know. I would think I would like to live in Yali. It's like a mega city in the Chronicles. It's very dieselpunk. Um, but there's, all, there's lots of different... There's like, what, 18 commonwealths? And they all have different aspects to them and different um, characteristics. But part of me would like to live in euphoria, which is in the angel, bo- the angel born books, which is basically heaven. You kind of don't have a body, but you can come to earth if you want and you just live with energy. That would be interesting. And then if it was up to you, how many books or pieces of work would you release a year? I would release as many as possible. If I could write many more books than I can now and they all be good. Yeah, bring it on. I mean, I can't. If like at a reasonable writing pace, I think three books a year would be ideal. Three, if I could do four, amazing, like two long books, one short one. I don't know. But as I get a little faster, it would be it would be nice to to have more work in the world and to release more stories and to do it more quickly. Maybe that will happen one day. I don't know final word. If you are a person who ships things out, and I think this is only US, I guess, but pirate ship.com is amazing. I started using it. I am shipping out books, print books, signed books, Uh, I'm selling those on my website and yeah, Pirate Ship has made my life so much easier because the post office is not far away, but ever since the pandemic, it's been crowded all the time. Like I used to be able to just pop in the post office at 11am and nobody was in there. Now there's always a line. So with Pirate Ship, you can print your postage at home, media mail also, and then just drop it off at the post office. You can also apparently schedule the post office to like, or the mailman, mail person to pick up things, but I don't trust that. And I don't know if that's going to work out. I don't mind just dropping it off there at the desk and and being on my way. So if you're a person who has to ship things out, pirate it's free. They charge you the normal post office rates. Apparently it's like amazing. So anyway, my goal for this week is to get 10,000 words, eight to 10. We'll see. And just move forward in the story. I also have a lot of other things uh, coming up that maybe I'll talk about next week. So I hope that you have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful Memorial Day. I don't know when I'm going to record next weekend because it is packed, but I will find a way. (laughs) And I will talk to you next time. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. I would really appreciate a rating or a review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media podcasts.